forbidden and banned, the bane of bureaucrats, exposing mainstream media's weapons of mass distraction. Flying under the radar and dropping truth bombs on tyranny. It's Liberty Now. and welcome back to Liberty Now, the show for discerning minds and common sense. I'm your host, John Verd, trainer, piper, Navy diver, and Liberty lover. Back from my brief radio silence from a really nice long weekend out in Havelock Valley, staying up in the mountains and uh, stayed out in one of the huts, Growler Hut, here in New Zealand. And it was amazing to get back out to nature and uh, just spend some time outdoors away from all the technology. I'll play you a little clip from uh, the view I got from one of the summits up there. I climbed one of the ridges and uh, it was just a, a fantastic experience to get just back to nature and hang out with some friends. But this interview with uh, Patrick Wood and talking about technocracy has really gotten me thinking about, you know, what can we do? Uh, you know, are there any solutions to this? And, you know, we can, we can podcast about it, we can talk about it, we can share what we know with friends. Um, but there are also solutions. You know, we can take care of ourselves and, you know, take some time off from the computer, get away from the Internet. And so uh, it got me thinking we should do like a digital detox. And maybe you'd like to join me. I'm thinking about doing uh, once a month on a Sunday where we just take a complete day off of no screen time, no internet, no TV, no movies, no electronics, just spending time with family and friends, maybe playing some board games, maybe getting outside, maybe going for a run or a bike ride. You know, just the things we used to do 30 years ago before there was an internet. How did we ever survive then, right? So if you'd like to join me, I'd love to hear your comments. Um, I'm going to do it next Sunday, and we're just going to spend the whole day screen-free. And if you'd like to join me, I'd love to hear how your experience was, how it was for you. Uh, were you able to make it a full 24 hours? So let's give it a go. Let's try a screen-free Sunday and then share your comments with me. You can go to libertynow.com or t.me forward slash libertynowpodcast and share your comments on Telegram. Okay, I'll play that clip for you, and then we'll get back to the rest of the interview for part three of Technocracy Rising with Patrick Wood. Just made it to the top of the saddle. You can't tell it's a saddle from here, but look at the view up here. Woo-wee! And I'm still not at the highest point. It goes way up there. Look at that scree field down there. There's no climbing that. Look at those mountains. Oh, freaking amazing. This is a digital detox. Whew. I highly encourage it. Take a day. Take a break from the screens. Although I'm kind of looking at a screen right now, aren't I? <laughs> but there's no internet, I'll guarantee that. 
Made it up here in under two hours. <laughs> Hour and 55 minutes. So, since I've never done it before, that's personal best. Whew. Technocracy Rising, the Trojan horse of global transformation. Technocracy has had, and technocrats as a result, have had an uncanny ability to attach themselves to a government in a symbiotic relationship. Where they exist because they are allowed to be in support positions in government to accomplish their own agenda. Right. That's what happened in the Soviet Union. Right. With their engineering structure. They, the, first, the first wave of the Bolshevik Revolution, they killed all the engineers for peace sake. That was one of the big things they did. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to kill them all. You know, they're dangerous people. So they drug them out in the street and they shot them. They yeah. Did so all of a sudden they woke up one day and said, hmm, nothing runs anymore. Why, why is that? <laughs> Got all the engineered, you idiots. Right. And so this big search went on. How can we find people to get things running again? And they had a big push on education to develop their own engineers and whatever. And we saw those early technocrats move into, uh, move into, uh, the Soviet Union to help them rebuild and to, uh, you know, uh, kind of recreate okay. the infrastructure, if you will. Right. Right. They moved up just as quickly, I might add. And then they moved into, uh, Germany, a huge technocrat influence in Germany at the beginning of world war two. And, um, they had a, actually a technocracy chapter over there that printed the same articles that they printed in America and, uh, Hitler shut them down because he didn't want any competition, but, Right. Those technocrats moved into the German government machine and made it possible for Germany to do most of the scientific things they did, like scheduling trains that went to Auschwitz and, <laughs> you know, other economic matters and stuff and countries that they conquered. And these technocrats were well known to the Germans that who these people were. And it's interesting after world war II uh, was settled, and the Nuremberg trials took place. Mm -hmm. There was a top secret program in American intelligence called Operation Paperclip. Right. Yeah. Been declassified. It's all in the open. There's been books written on it now that are very revealing. Yes. Operation Paperclip brought some 1,600 of these technocrat scientists and engineers from Germany, snuck them back into the United States under this top secret program sanitized their, their biographies, put them into positions in national laboratories at NASA, at, you know, nuclear physicists, rocket programs, you name it, universities. Yep. And these people lived the rest of their life and died in America. And there was as technocrats, Werner von, Werner von Braun, for instance, was the, the guy that put the man on the moon, right? The rocket engineer, right? Yeah, he was one of these guys, uh, probably the most famous rocket scientist that came from Germany. Right. And he came in illegally. Half those people should have been hung probably for what yeah. they did. Yeah. They weren't, but they, you know, they came in. So tech technocracy has had this uncanny ability to kind of like a submarine, right? Like a nuclear submarine. Right. Over the water. It just kind of surfaces when they want it to surface. And they've been very adept at staying under the surface of the water through many different types of regimes. We've seen this in America as they've been under the water through uh, Republican conservative regimes, as well as 
liberal Democrat left wing regimes. They were in the Carter administration, the Reagan administration. They were in the, the Jimmy Carter or the, the excuse me, the uh, uh, the uh, Al Gore and uh, Bill Clinton. Uh, right. Bush, H, H, uh, W. Bush, rather, and, and the Obama years. They were all there the whole time underneath the surface. Right. Pulling the strings. Now, yep. <laughs> you, now, you, you bring up um, Al Gore and when he first came out with his inconvenient truth video series, um, you know, at the time I've, I've always been concerned about, you know, health and, and clean environment and those things. And he's, he's bringing the, this message that, Oh my gosh, you know, we're headed for, you know, global catastrophe. We're going to be underwater, you know, in, in just a very few short years by 2013, I think he predicted at the time. And, um, if if anybody doubts, you know their their sincerity. Look at Al Gore, who bought properties on the the beach on the very places that he predicted would be underwater, and, and there he goes. He just effectively devalued the property there by putting out all this uh, fear mongering, and then just bought a property on the cheap. I, I would point that out to my friends and family who who believe this threat of, of man-made climate change. I, I don't deny that, you know, climates change. They, they have, it's a cyclical thing. It's since yeah. the beginning of the earth. But um, yeah, it, you, you had uh, mentioned, you got a, a little bit into terms like sustainable growth. You've, you've spent a lot of time inside of documents like Agenda 21, has a lot of terminology that, that sounds very well-meaning. Um, are there any other terms that you've decoded that, that people might be shocked to be aware of what they really mean. Uh, things like, you know, affordable housing opportunities for economic development. Everything that the United Nations proposes in, for instance, in all of their 17 sustainable development goals, that they've published and written about extensively. <clears throat> Every policy they have, promises to save some portion of the world from something. Right. But in fact, every policy that they implement everywhere does just the opposite. Right. Uh, yeah. Do. It really does seem that way. Like the ministry of truth <laughs> is, is just the ministry of just the opposite. Yeah. They say yeah. that for instance, SDG number one is eliminate poverty everywhere. Right. Has poverty been eliminated whatsoever in the last 15 years? No. Nope. It's increased. Global poverty has increased. And, you know, you look at the, the World Health Organization, which started off this whole pandemic thing, last year alone, just last year alone, the number of people in, a, in the world who live with under $2 a day income, yep. that's extreme poverty. Yeah. That number of people... Last year, just in 2020 alone, increased by 200 million people as a result wow. of the pandemic. The plan doesn't seem to oh, be working out as they poverty say. Poverty everywhere. Oh yes, it's going to all be gone. You'll see. We're going. We know what we're doing here. And oh, so okay, so 200 million people don't really count. Well, oops. Um, well, we made a course error. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People well, out of their mind. Yeah, it's genuine. The, the promises they make are just snake oil. Right. hundred percent. And, and, and so now we see like the next level in, you know, eliminating wars and poverty there. 
they want to um, they want to try to help everybody out with uh, universal basic income, which I just I cannot wrap my head around how that works economically, you know. But who people who are pushing for a universal basic income, how do, how does that work, or what's wrong with it? This was specified. This was specified in 1932, 1934, in the technocracy study course. Universal basic income was the foundation of technocracy. Foundation. Now, they didn't want to give you money. They wanted to give you energy credits. Right. Instead, same same difference. It's what you spend to live on. Right. They said, you could, you're going to get an energy credit base. We're going to take a, an estimate of all the energy we're going to produce this quarter, for instance, or this month, divide by the population and pass out an equal amount to everybody in society. Everybody's going to have their energy credit, credit allotment, and they like, kind of like food stamps or whatever. They can go out and buy things with that energy credit. Uh, how will things be priced? Well, they'll be priced according to the energy that went into those things to make them. Right. Well, okay. So if you, what happens if you run out of energy credits before the end of the month, you're flat out of luck. You're going to have to go sleep on somebody else's couch, I guess. Well, what if you save up and you get to the end of the month and you still have energy credits, they disappear. They just evaporate. Right. And, and if I may interrupt right there, uh, I just heard about uh, China is planning to, or already has, issued their own cryptocurrency and right programmable and it's it's being allotted as a basic universal basic income right um however they justify it and that the the there's no savings it doesn't roll over it's just renewed every month i guess that is exactly right and it's programmable in the sense that they can according to their social credit scoring system they can turn your money off while it's still in your wallet, so to speak. Right. Because it's all identified by blockchain technology. Okay. So if, if a thousand dollars got allocated to you at the beginning of the month and during that month, your social credit score system goes down. I've just, this just theoretically, let's say you drop a hundred points because you do some boneheaded post on, 10 cent or something. Right. Halfway through the month, if they decided by algorithm that we're going to, that you're going to get a, a haircut on the money that's already been put in your account, instead of having a thousand, they're going to cut it down to 800. AI runs an algorithm, boom, flips a switch. Your money, even though you might still, you know, see it, all of a sudden it ain't there anymore. Right. Yeah. It's been programmably shut off. Right. From you, and it doesn't matter where you put it. Say, well, I, what if I put it in my pocket? In a, what if I have a, a digital wallet that's one of those little fold-over paper things, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, forget it. It's it still digital. Is. You show up with that money somewhere, and the system is going to look at your money. It's your part of that blockchain. Nope, you can't. <laughs> your right, money, your money ain't worth anything here, Buster. Exactly. And, and as, as wonderful as we think cryptocurrencies are and sort of opting out of the system, you know, for people that are, you know, rightly skeptical of fiat currency, uh, this is, you know, I, I, I just would recommend 
personally, not as a financial advice, but I just don't think I would put all my eggs in the crypto basket. It's I, I don't see it safe. <clears throat> I certainly wouldn't for sure. Um, maybe just one point that I wanted to um, talk to you about is, you know, I've, I've read historically that great civilizations have had a limited lifespan around 200 years, they say. Um, you're probably familiar with the Titler cycle. Yes. That, yeah, it talks about how these these cycles, you know. Uh, where do you see America and, and Western nations in general on that sort of wheel where we fall oh, yeah. if you're back at, into if you're it that way? America's on the way down. Western civilization's on the way down with it. Yeah. And it doesn't look good in the near term. just doesn't look good at all. Yeah. Uh, it's probably noteworthy that things go down faster than they rose up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Whereas a ship, a ship might take two years to build, but it takes two minutes to sink. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good analogy. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, and I don't, I don't want to be all doom and gloom. You know, there, there's only so much any one of us can do, but what, what would you say that the best thing, anybody listening to this, um, what would you say we, we should do to either stop it or weather it? Well, I'll say first, everybody can do something. It may not be much, but everybody can do something. And there's no such thing as just sitting back on your couch and doing nothing. That, right. you do that, that means you're complicit with the whole thing. And, and Agreed. You're not, you're not a friend of humanity. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I tell people pretty routinely, whatever role that you feel like the, the establishment wants you to play, just simply don't play it. Just right. go the other way, go around it, just refuse to do what they tell you to do. And uh, that alone is a, a passive resistance is, is an expression of you will not comply. And um, that has the ability to change local communities in, in a pretty dramatic way. The other thing is <clears throat> a lot of people resonate with this. You don't do the right thing because you're going to win. Yeah. You do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Right. And that's a really important distinction on doing the right thing, whatever that might be, whatever you would determine or somebody would determine is the right thing to do. You don't do it because you're going to win something, whether it be short-term expectations or long-term expectations or winning your government back or winning society back. You do it because it's the right thing to do. This is a fundamental human quality that needs to be reinforced and encouraged everywhere. Right. Do right because it's the right thing to do. If everybody did that, we'd be in a vastly different world today, I have to say. That and is... this is what we need to tell other people that are doing wrong. Right. You do right. First off, do right, you turkey. <laughs> yeah. Boy, that, that is. Uh, and then do right just be would you just do right because it's the right thing to do and that you're not expecting you know they could make a million dollars off of it or whatever just you you'll get taken care of if you do the right thing anyway just do the right thing because it's the right thing to do and get on with your life you'll have a good life your life will your life will work out however it does but just keep doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do this is the message we really need to get to people everywhere and yeah. discourage people sitting on the couch. Oh, woe is me. The world is doomed and you know, whatever, they're going to roll over us and we're all going to die. Okay. Quit whining, <laughs> you know, right. Get up off your couch and, and just, 
you know, you're still human. You're still a human being. You're here. You got born. You've enjoyed society. Just start doing the right thing. Even if it's just a wee little thing, just do the right things in your life and let the dust fall where it will. That is a huge difference in the world. Absolutely. That, that is some sage advice. And, um, I, I really appreciate hearing that from you who's been in the thick of it. Um, and I, I have done a lot of reading over the last 15 years going down this rabbit hole, um, much to the chagrin probably of a lot of my friends and family, but, um, uh, above the things I've read, Technocracy Rising is the most authoritative, comprehensive volume that I've come across. And I am telling my friends and family, if you have also had a sense that there may be something wrong or we're, the world is headed in the wrong direction, um, economically, socially, politically, or, or any of those, I cannot recommend highly enough uh, Technocracy Rising. Patrick, it's a, it's a great work. And um, yeah. I appreciate it. Um, how can people best support you or follow you? Well, they can certainly uh, go to my website, technocracy.news, and get on the mailing list there if they'd like to. Over okay. half of our traffic now comes from outside the United States, which surprises me every day, but it's true. So this is a global issue. And if you're out there, wherever they might be listening to this broadcast, uh, get on the mailing list and get, get our daily digest that's sent out every day and track with the technocracy theme. I collect articles from all over the world, from Europe and Australia and you name it, even China, and uh, to, to describe the story of technocracy as it unfolds. And uh, beyond that, you know, you can get my, certainly you can get my books and stuff at bookstores. If you don't like going through an Amazon in your uh, country or region, uh, just go to a local bookstore and just have them special order. They, they have channels to do that and they can get it in eventually. Um, well, at, at, at the moment, they're still available on uh, Amazon.com, and um, I'll I'll put a link on there um, through my affiliate link if that's okay. Um, sure. Yeah, so I believe I, I, New Zealand. I think there's a New Zealand version of Amazon, and also an Australian version of Amazon as well. Yeah. Uh, Great. Well, I, I again highly recommend it. Uh, this or or any other writings by Patrick Wood. Um, you're an inspiration to me and I, and I know to a lot more people. So thank you very much for your time. And uh, I will be following you uh, online. So um, Pleasure. keep fighting the good fight. Thanks, All right. John. Thank you very much. You we'll see you later. 